Um, uh, this is um, the defining moment of the nation of Israel. This is the this is the final um, vanquishing of this great enemy, Egypt. Um, it's referred to countless, well, not countless, many, many times. Not only in the Old Testament, but the New Testament. This this is the the touchstone, this is the Ebenezer stone that the Spirit keeps, you know, through the prophets, keeps guiding His people back to. Remember this. Remember your deliverance from Egypt. Remember crossing through the Red Sea on dry ground. Remember, remember, remember. And here we are, as God's people, remembering. We're remembering this. And, and yes, it happened a long time ago. It's an Old Testament story, yet it is so um, vital to our understanding of redemption and helping us understand the cross and, this, and his ultimate act of redemption of his people. Um, and so, with that said, let's read this together. This is, we're reading all of, of chapter 14, Exodus 14, beginning with... Verse one. Before I do so, let's let's pray. Uh, Lord God, we we've acknowledged that um, that you, Holy Spirit, um, you give us clarity. You help us understand, and so, Holy Spirit, um, that indwells each heart of every believer, um, illuminate, shine this light on your word, the word that you that you wrote through the uh, the prophet Moses, Lord. Uh, shine your light upon it that we may not only read the words but understand the words that we may remember these words and be changed by them uh, let us store these in our hearts and never forget what you have done your mighty works your mighty deeds of deliverance we pray this in jesus name amen then the lord said to moses tell the people of israel to turn back and encamp in front of pi harioth between migdol and the sea in front of Baal Zephon, you shall encamp facing it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the people of Israel, they are wandering in the land. The wilderness has shut them in, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them, and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord, and they did so. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed toward the people. And they said, What is this we have done that we have let this Israel go from serving us? So he made ready his chariot and took his army with him and took 600 chosen chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. And the Lord, Yahweh, hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the people of Israel while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. The Egyptians pursued them, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and his horsemen and his army, and overtook them and camped by the sea at Pi-ha-haroth in front of Baal-zephon. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, and they said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us to bring us out of Egypt? 
Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, see the salvation of the Lord, which He will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord, Yahweh, will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. The Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward, lift up your staff, and stretch out your hand over the sea, and divide it, that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they shall go in after them, and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his, law, all his host, his chariots, and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Then the angel of, the Lord, or angel of God, who was going before the host of Israel, moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was the cloud and the darkness. And it lit up the night without one coming near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on the dry ground, and the waters being a wall to them on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went in after them to the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And in the morning, in the morning watch... The Lord, in the pillar of the fire and of cloud, looked down on the Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptian forces into a panic, clogging their chariots' wheels so that they drove heavily. And the Egyptians said, Let us flee from before Israel, for the Lord, Yahweh, fights for them against the Egyptians. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared. And as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all of the host of Pharaoh that had followed them in the sea. Not one of them remained. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters being a wall to them on their right and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and in His servant Moses. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. We're going to see, um, there's a lot here. I'm not going to say everything about every verse. But there's three things I want us to see. I want us to look at first, the pride and power of the enemy. Second, the fear and doubt of Israel. And thirdly, the deliverance and victory by Yahweh. First, the pride and power of the enemy. Uh, when, I, when I read this, if you are a Star Wars fan, the first thing you might think of is, It's a trap! <laughs> um, that's the Return of the Jedi. Um, 
Admiral Akbar. That's his famous line. He didn't have a whole lot of good lines. But when the rebel fleet came in and the Death Star was fully functional and ready to, to shoot them down, he yelled, It's a trap! And as we read this, we know as the readers, the suspense is kind of taken away. We know at the outset, this is a trap. Yahweh, God, tells Moses, let me tell you what I'm going to do. Let me tell you what's going to happen. And he lays it out. We're going to, I'm taking you down the, a weird path, the opposite way you think it should go. We're going to camp with your backs to the, to the sea, the Red Sea. And uh, just before we get any further than that, you know, there's scholarship for a while, for many decades, has talked about Red Sea, that could be translated as Reed Sea, and it could be like a, like a shallow river with reeds growing in it. Most recent scholarship that I've read, um, and I'm, you know, I've read so many, I've read, I've read more than a few. Anyway, but uh, that word, the word red, does not necessarily find its root in reed, but actually in a word, a Hebrew word that means end. And it really does talk about that, the, that sea uh, south of the Gulf of Suez that is actually a sea. It's, it's not just a, a shallow, it's a, it's, a, it's a sea, like the Sea of Galilee. It's deep, it's, it's wide, it's, it's a large body of water. And it refers to the, the body of water at the end of the territory of Egypt. Like the sea at the end, the Red Sea. And so that, that's, so anyway, if you've heard that, kind of explaining away the, the miracle of this. Uh, put that aside. This is, this is a, a large body of water. And so they're, they're there with their backs to it. And they're camping out there. We, we have these cities mentioned. Uh, we, those, those don't exist anymore. But we, we're pretty confident that, you know, where the Red Sea is. And, and so there they are. Backs against this. No room for, to cross. There's no, there's no bridge. There's no boats. And here they are. Uh, and he says, I'm setting a trap. Pharaoh is going to see this, he's going to hear about it, and he is going to, I'm going to harden his heart, he's going to make his move. Um, and so you see this, this trap, and, and, and exactly what God says happens, doesn't it? Um, he wanted uh, Israel to appear to be wandering aimlessly with no direction. He wanted Pharaoh uh, to, um, to forget what we learned last week, that God... To, 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 to totally be blind to the fact that God leads, that God is with, and that God is faithful to see his people home. He, he's, he wants it to look like none of that's true. And, and Pharaoh, and you kind of look at this and go, Pharaoh, you have a very bad memory. You know what I'm saying? You read this and go, remember the plagues? Remember the death of your son? Remember, remember the futility of all that? No, no, now they're camping out in a strategically bad location. I think we got them this time. Right? But that was God, what, that was God hardening his heart. That's the deceitfulness of sin. That's the pride, right, uh, of man. And he, God, God says God does this. It says he hardens his heart. Actually, he makes his heart heavy. Heavy with pride and his own glory and what he thinks he can accomplish and do. And actually, the heaviness of Pharaoh is actually going to make... God's glory, weightiness, heaviness, all the more apparent. So it's the same word for glory and hardness of heart. And so I'm going to make him feel like he's weighty so you can just see how weighty and glorious I am. 
And so the pride and power of the enemy, he believes his own hype, he forgets the the many defeats he had, um, and how God defeated all the Egyptian gods, and he is ready to attack. Um, He makes his heart heavy with his own glory, his own pride, and he takes off. Um, But God is going um, going to act. God is going to uh, trap them and get glory over them. And at this point, verses 1 through 4, we don't know yet how he's going to do that. Moses doesn't know yet how that's going to happen. But God does. Um, he's, he, you know, Pharaoh believes he is going to win the day. And he doesn't, he doesn't see God's hand leading and guiding um, the people of Israel. Um, I think it's important here to note at the end, it says that, um, at the end of the section, or end of verse 8, or verse 8 it says, and the people of Israel were going out defiantly. And that's a weird, again, that's kind of like when we read last week that Israel went out ready for battle. No, they were, they were in organized columns. They were, you know, going out by tribe. I think that's better. Um, going out defiantly, it was as though they were like, yeah, we got this. And I, 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 don't, I don't think so. Because the very next thing, when the trouble comes, are they defiant? No. But the actual Hebrew word is, is they go out by a high hand. And you know, that, that's kind of an idiom, you know, being high-handed, you know, being trying to trick people. And, and that's how I think, you know, sometimes we translate it this way. But uh, one commentator says it's, it's high hand, mighty hand. It's the high hand of God. That they're going out. It's not that, 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 that phrase isn't talking about them. It's not their attitude. It's the power and attitude of God. It's by His high hand that they go out and they're there. Even it's by His high hand, His powerful hand, that they find themselves in this, humanly speaking, uh, 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 quite a predicament. Predicament. Um, not an advantageous situation to be in it from a military point of view, but yet God, it's by God's mighty hand that they're there. And it's by His mighty hand that they, they will be, um, that they will achieve victory. Look, look at the, okay, that's the pride of the enemy, thinking that he, again, God does this, He works it in, in Pharaoh, that He can overcome, He can defeat God's people. Again, even though there's no evidence of that, he looks at the situation. I'm going to act. And look, look at the power. Look at all that he has. So we got a, a, you know, over a million, uh, maybe two million uh, Israelites who have never fought, who have never uh, been trained for war. And here we have what? Look, look at all that he takes with him. He made ready his chariot. So Pharaoh's there. He took his army with him. What did that entail? 600 chosen chariots. So like the best of the best chariots. The delta force of his chariots. Okay? Um, or, you know, what's the equivalent? Green Berets. I don't want to leave out any kind of service. Anyway, here we go. Um, best of the best. Okay. Fill that in as you will. Um, and then more, more chariots, more horsemen, and, he, and then also foot soldiers. His army is there too. And uh, this is quite the pursuit. Again, he wants an utter and total victory, and he's amassing all that he has all that he has at his disposal to make sure and ensure that he wins the day and wipes out the Israelites. 
This is a real power. This is a real threat. It's, you know, it's deceitful. It's pride. It's God making his heart heavy that motivates him to do this. But I want you to get, from a human point of view, this is, this is big. This is power. This is like, you know, equivalent, okay, you know, the U.S. military, you know. Our defense budget is like, you know, the, like the next few countries that compare, it's like the, ten of them, their defense budgets make up ours. You know, we, we have a huge military complex, a huge military forces, and this is the power, this is the greatest power in the, in the world at this time, the Egyptian army coming down upon them. Again, misguided, prideful, but yet, from a human point of view, overwhelming. Um, that brings us to the second thing. We have the, the pride and power of the, uh, of the enemy. His height was overplayed. His military really was humongous. And that brings us to two, the fear and doubt of Israel. It says when they look up and they see, this is verse 10, when, when Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes and behold, Egyptians were marching on, on them and they greatly feared. And the people cried out to the Lord. Um, was this wrong? It's at this point that if we're kind of feeling our own pride, our own righteousness, we go, look at this faithless people. But I want you to imagine holding your baby, <laughs> having your stuff on some, some donkeys and camels, Camping with no escape and seeing that. I, I, I would guess they heard it first. A chariot had two horses each, so 1,200 horses, plus some more horsemen, and an army. You might have felt it first, and then you heard it, and then you look up and saw. And the, you know, this is toward the end of the day. They're approaching from the west. And as the sun is setting, there are these shadows and spears. I'm just, this is my mind's eye, just coming at them. They're low at the sea. They're coming from the higher ground. Again, higher ground is important, Star Wars fans. Anyway, they're coming from higher, and they're down. And, and we go, oh man, they shouldn't have been scared of that. Yes, they should. <laughs> that's scary stuff and, and what do they do the first response is a good response what do they do they cry out to Yahweh for help I've, I've talked to a lot of people recently who just walk around this guilt it's like you know I shouldn't feel this anxious and overwhelmed by life and, I'm, and usually what I say is I go yes you should there's some scary stuff. Well, if I was faithful, it wouldn't bother me. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be afraid. I wouldn't be anxious. And I'm going, no, this is real. It really hurts when someone you love dies. It really hurts when you lose a job. It really hurts when your kids are, are, are wayward. It really, it, that that's hurts. There's really an enemy. 
And there's pressure. And there's, and, 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 but they, what they do first is they go, Yahweh, save us. That was good. That was right. We missed that part, I think. Real enemy, real threat. We ain't got nothing. I'm scared. Quit feeling guilty for being scared. <laughs> Don't feel ashamed that you rightly assess the threats and dangers in a fallen world. But also don't try to figure it out by yourself. Cry out to the Lord. Cry out to Him. But you know, like us, there's some conflicting emotions here. <laughs> Lord, help us. And then in the same breath, what do they say? It's the most sarcastic line in the Bible. And I lo- I'm, I'm a sarcastic person, so I get this. And it's kind of almost funny. It's almost funny. Were there not enough graves in Egypt? What, what is like their favorite thing to do in Egypt? To make graves. Right? The, tent, the, the, the pyramid is a big what? It's a big tomb. What, what have they been doing for 400 years? Building tombs and graves and palaces. Were there not enough in Egypt? Like, there's some good sarcasm there. Sinful, but clever. Clever statement. But with this crying out, there's also, God, what are you doing? Really? Really? The Red Sea? Really? The army? Really? No weapons? Really? 600 chariots? Really? We would have been better off slaves in Egypt. Why? What are you doing to me? But I want you to realize, in this moment, they're being deceived in the same way Pharaoh was deceived. Kind of hit you right here, didn't it? They're going, it, it's clear that we are wandering, wandering aimlessly. And uh, they cry out to God, but also they're, they're coming up to their own conclusions. This, this is not going to turn out well at all, and there's no, there's no hope. Like, both things at the same time. Wow. Does that sound familiar? God, you need to save me. I don't think you can save me. God, I need your help. Are you listening? Have you been here? Have you felt this? And you know I'm not being literal. Uh, let me know if you've had 600 chariots after you, please. I know some police officers that can help. But, but have you ever felt like so overwhelmed that... Their reaction is, is a mix of faith and a mix of, a mixed with doubt. Urgency and then just cynical sarcasm. Like, you're my help... If you're there, you know, I mean, and I, that, that seems so familiar from my own experience. And, it's, and I hope that, you know, that it comforts you. I hope it humbles you first because, you know, our first, our first uh, instinct has been to look at these faithless Old Testament people. But no, man, we're, we're so much more alike than we want to admit. But in that weak faith in 
pretty vocal doubt. God's Word comes in, doesn't it? God's Word comes in and brings correction and comfort at the same time. Moses says, what? Why do you cry to me? Well, he says, first of all, he says, he, he, um, he says fear not. Stand firm and see the salvation of Yahweh, which He will work for you today. For the Egyptians, again, why he's saying this, that's what they're hearing. Okay? It'll be a lot louder because it's 1,200 horses. Hey, by the way, uh, this, you're going to see salvation today. He will get victory. I mean, think about that. I just came up with that just now. It's not in my notes. I didn't know how to write that down. But that's where God's Word always comes in. There's never... I, always, I used to think, I'm waiting on this quiet time. I'm going to have my quiet time and all will be well. And then I'll read God's Word and I'll understand it. No, it always comes with... And God speaks in that. He goes, I'm, I'm, I'm your God. I'm going to save you. And those Egyptians, the spears, and, the, and you can hear them, they ain't going to be nothing in a minute. It's pretty cool, isn't it? Sometimes it's hard to hear the Word of God over the, the hoofs. Sometimes we think God isn't going to speak to us when we hear that and see those enemies. But he, that's when He speaks. That's when, that's when we need it all the more. And um, he says, "All you you need only be silent." Now, what does that mean? I, I had the the, the the faith conversations groups talked about that. What do you think that means? When I read it, when I, my first read is again because I'm a, I'm a legalist and I'm, I always think God's probably not you know He's not pleased with me. He can't be pleased with me. He's probably going, "Hey, zip it, quit your whining, quit your gripe, quit your mumbling." Now that's a they, they grumble and mumble all through here, and there that's that's there's. Hey, stop. I think that's part of it. Hey, quit. God hears you. Quit your, quit your grumbling. Quit your doubting. But I think the other thing that comes with it is you don't have to convince Him to do what He's about to do. And I think that's the beauty. I'm convinced that's part of it. I, I, I think that's the main. Look, all you got to do is just stand there and be silent. And when he says, go, go, move forward. But you don't, you're not, he's going to do something and you don't have to talk him into it. This is the plan from the beginning. Isn't that beautiful? God, you know, we, I know we just, we just, just we're really sarcastic towards you and really rude and really doubtful. And God, and Moses put this in place. I, you know, could you please now, and with, would, would you please just consider maybe saving some of us or, or maybe just me or I don't know, you know, but like what? Would, and he goes, just be, he's going to do it. Because he's faithful. And that brings us now to the third thing. The, the third point is, the deliverance and victory of Yahweh. This is something he has decided to do. He's made a covenant with his people and he will surely do it. And now, again, also there's no more talking. It's just act. You know, even, he, he even you know, Moses says, hey, all you have to do is be silent. And he turns to God and God says, hey, why do you cry to me? 
What, why are, Moses, quit talking. Let's, let's, get, let's get on with it. I, I want you to, to raise up your, your, your hand, your staff, and I want you to, what's going to happen is the sea is going to divide and then the people are going to go through it. And Moses is like, okay. And again, just think about Moses. This isn't, he's never done this before. He's turned, you know, water into, into blood and done a lot of things, via, you know, through the power of God. But this is a new one. And, and he does it. Here's what I'm going to do. And then, and then this miraculous act of deliverance happens. And we see this. Um, he tells us what he's going to do, 15 through 18, just like he told, he's, he's, you know, God's already said in, in verses 1 through 4, here's what's going to happen. And then, in, and then 15 through 18, here's what you're going to do. And then we see it actually take place in 21 through 25. God makes a way. In an impossible situation, in overwhelming odds, with, with the deep waters behind, uh, you know, they didn't, you know, they, again, no way out, God makes a way. And um, if you're trying to rank miracles of the Bible, well, there are a lot of them. You know, the resurrection of Christ is the top. But, I mean, just a whole sea. Like, this doesn't happen. You know, there, there were some really strong winds a few weeks ago. Like, how strong were they? Like, 20, 30 mile gusts? That's a lot. But no one has ever seen wind blow so hard in such a direction that it causes an ocean to divide. But that's what happened on this day. And um, when you read this act of deliverance, when you read this act of, 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 of rescue, um, first of all, I want you to see this. And this is a little freebie. You see um, that God is one and God is also many here. Because what happens first, as, as the winds are blowing, as the, as, the, as the ground's being dried out and the waters are being parted, who, who, turns to, who goes to the back? Uh, it says that the cloud moves to the back and also the angel of the Lord. And so you have God manifested in, the, in this glory cloud, but also He's manifested present in the same time as the, the angel of the Lord. And, and I'm convinced that this is this, the, the second person of the Trinity. This is the pre-incarnate Christ. And, and then you have Moses speaking God's Word, and in the power of God doing this act, and, and there's the Spirit. And, you know, and so, yes, is that, is that obvious as we read the text, the Old Testament text? No, but through the New Testament, we, it's very obvious. Look, God is present in the cloud, in the words, and in this, the words of Moses, the acts of Moses, the prophet, and also the, the angel of the Lord is standing in the gap. We get a clearer picture of the angel of the Lord when we get to uh, Joshua. And remember, he's, he's about to go to battle, and, and he, there's this man dressed for war with his sword out. And you know, he goes, who, who are you? Are you on our side? He goes, the question is, are you on my side? He says, take off your, your shoes. This is holy ground. This is God. Uh, 
showing up as a mighty warrior. Well, we, we see him, uh, what John saw in the vision and revelation of Christ, the, the mighty warrior who vanquishes uh, his people's enemies and brings justice. And so here this is. It's, it's deliverance through victory and, and God moves to the rear and stands in the gap and protects his people. Um, and, and note also that this pillar of fire, this pillar of cloud, which was cloud by day and fire by night, now moves to the back and it says that all this is happening in the middle of the night. And so now this manifestation is both cloud and fire. That on the side of the Egyptians, there's darkness. But on the side of where the Israelites are, there's light. And we could just, we could deep dive there, you know, for ages, thinking about that reality, that God's presence brings darkness and judgment on his, on his enemies, but he's a light to his people. There it is. And so he stood there protecting them as this miraculous event was happening, was taking place, this water being pushed away and land forming. And again, they had to wait because it, the, land, the, the wind's coming from the east and they're on the west side, so they're waiting on the, the, the dry land to meet them on the other side. So they're... That's a tense time, isn't it? Imagine that. This wall of fire, the angel of the Lord standing, and the Egyptians just standing back going, uh-uh, I don't want this. And he, he makes, he stands in the gap for his people while this path is being wrought, this way of deliverance is being manifested. And then they, they pass through on dry ground. And, and I'm going to, there's a story I heard one of my professors told me. Um, he said that, you know, this is hard to believe. This is some miraculous stuff. And he goes, you know, there are a lot of people that want to look at the scripture and just try to like, you know, get rid of the supernatural, you know. You just need to know the, the teaching. You need to know the moral. This supernatural stuff. No, that, that couldn't happen. And he tells a story of this, uh, this young pastor who, who went to a liberal um, a seminary and goes to this church in the south, a, a kind of church where, you know, people are vocal and respond, you know. So he reads the passage and somebody goes, Praise God for, for bringing his people through dry ground through the, through the sea. He's like, well, actually, I don't know if he sounded that way. It's just how I think about it. Well, actually, you know, it was a, it was a, there was a drought in the area, and there was different tides, and it was probably, you know, and, and it was probably a low point where they crossed. It was probably just six inches of water. And this church, people just sit there and it's quiet for a while, and then the same guy said, "Praise God for drowning all those Egyptians in six inches of water." <laughs> You see, it's miraculous one way or the other. <laughs> you can't have it both ways. <laughs> right? Oh, there's just a little bit of water. What about the Egyptians? Horses stand this high. How do they? Anyway. So, <laughs> but God, it's, this is real. This is, God, God has power to do this. And we know it also because the words he uses are the words of creation. If you're reading this in Hebrew, this is so cool. Like when he says, and he, and he parts the waters and makes dry ground. That, that's, that's creation language. And so it's the God, it's Yahweh, the great I Am, who made the world and created the land for us to dwell in. Now, he, it's the same, same act. He makes, He separates the waters and provides dry land. And that word for dry land is not like 
muddy, uh, you know, kind of if you've made a trail through or seen a levee over a, a pond and it's all muddy and slippery. Now this is like arid land. It's a miraculous event. And, they, and he made a way. He made a way through these waters of judgment. What, was, what, what once was an obstacle that could not be crossed, he makes a way. What, what, what is used in just a moment for judgment on Egypt is a, is a path of salvation. It's amazing. Redemption, rescue through recreation. The chaos of the sea, God tames. And then once His people are across, He throws the Egyptians back into that chaos and into the abyss. And they are undone. It says that when the, the, the cloud moved and, and God's people were passing through and the angel of the Lord moved back to the head, that they, again, He hardened their hearts and they went in after them. And they didn't get through unscathed, but it says that their wheels got stuck or clogged. And uh, the, the actual translation of that is that the, the wheels were removed. The wheels came off. <laughs> it wasn't just that some of the water seeped in and it got muddy, but like their wheels stopped moving. And, and, and some of the, you know, I, it literally says the wheels came off. You know, you ever had that like that? I like to feel like the wheels are coming off. And that's what, that was a bad day for the Egyptians. That this, that they're, they're the symbol of power, that all the horsemen and all the chariots went, not the foot soldiers. Um, it just says the chariots and the horsemen went, because, you know, they're going to make it through fast, right? There's, if they're going to catch up with those people on foot, uh, no. Their wheels stopped. And God said, raise your hands, Moses. I'm going to bring ultimate victory over Egypt, over these are your oppressors. I'm going to set you free. This is his ultimate act of redemption and freedom here. And he did it. He did it. God's people are saved. His, their enemies are vanquished. And he says, you will not see them again. These Egyptians you will not see again. Well, they, they don't see them in the, in the same way, but he, they saw them dead on the seashore. It's verse 30. But not, an act, not, a, not a symbol of might and power and a, and a, and a definitive uh, you know, death sentence, but they saw them vanquished and totally undone and killed. God fights for His people. The Lord, Yahweh, fights for His people and He does it because that's who He is. He was determined to bring them out of slavery. He was determined to save them and to get all the glory. And so they did not speak or lift a finger, only act and obey and walk through the path he provided. Let me ask you a question. Um, would you have walked through? Would you have done it like... If there were no... If there were no this... Like... <laughs> If there was no, motive, no certain death behind you, th imagine walking through that. It says there were walls of water on the left and the right. And I, I started thinking about the few times I've been out in the ocean where I've gone deep enough where you can't see the bottom. You know, you don't have to go in the far in the Gulf to get there where it's just dark. I'm really nervous about it. That makes me nervous. Does that make y'all nervous? You're like, what's down there? How deep is that? 
there's no oxygen under me right now. <laughs> you know, there's no... This, I, I cannot survive this, and I can't see the bottom of it. That's scary. And I started thinking about it, like That's what they saw on, on the right and the left. You know? How would you have felt about... <laughs> I don't know. Running? I, I've also talked to some people this week that though they believe that God's made a way, they still live in fear of, like, maybe these walls are going to crash down on me. That, that yeah, God's made a way, and, and, he's, and He's made a path for His people, a way of salvation, a way out of judgment, but as they're walking through, all they can see is those tall walls of water, and they're wondering, surely this, these are going to come down on me. Do you fear that these walls will fall upon you? Do you still fear, as a child of God, His wrath and disfavor and judgment? Don't. How many Israelites made it through? All of them. Amen. Thank you. They all did. Were they all faithful? Were they doubting? Were they fearful? Yeah. But when God made a way, they went. And He did it not because He knew they would go. He did it not because He knew that they were... He just said, you be silent, I will deliver you. Brothers and sisters, the walls of judgment will not fall upon you. They did not fall upon Egypt. They only fell upon His enemies. And you... If you trust in Christ, you are not his enemy. You have been made his child. And if you are his child, that means that you are his. You are united to Christ. If you are united to Christ, then his death and his resurrection is for you. He became the enemy, and those walls of wrath fell upon him. He is the path. He is the dry ground in which we walk for deliverance. This is a... Amazing. I mean, spectacle. I mean, I think they should even make a movie about it. I mean, I think you really could. I've done it a lot because it's, it's glorious. It's movie material. But the greater act, the greater walls of judgment were, were hell and ultimate eternal rejection... And Jesus became the enemy. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might have a way through. And, and his, that deliverance was ultimate and complete. And yes, he will come to judge the living and the dead. Yes, that is true. Yes, he is coming. Yes, he will tread on his enemies as though they were in a wine press. Yes, all that, that revelation we've studied, all that's true. Yet, that's not for you and me. We are in Christ. We are his bride. We are his people. And he will see us safely through. The walls of judgment should not, should not overwhelm you. They will not touch you. Do not come. Do not be deceived like hard-hearted Pharaoh and, be, and begin to believe. And we all do. We do this. We begin to leave the lies of the devil, the lies of the enemy, and believe that we're aimless and God's not present. But He is. He's with us. He, he's standing in the gap. He's, he's with us in the, in the hardships. When we cry out to Him, He hears us. And He brings ultimate victory over His enemies. He brings redemption to His people. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that you 
fight for us. Help us now in our hearts to, to be silent and to find a greater and greater rest in your, in your covenant-keeping faithfulness, in your love, in your acts of redemption um, through the cross. Help us to know that it's finished, that the wrath will not fall upon us. It has fallen upon you. And that you are, we are your set-apart, sanctified people, which you are also making more and more like you. Um, help us to see the definitive aspect of this redemptive event and see that that is true for us too. Help us to see that you really do care about justice. You really do care about setting us free from ultimate slavery, to, from sin and death, and that you have promised to defeat ultimately and completely our enemies of sin and death and the devil. Lord, we long for that day. We thank you that you um, have won uh, victory on the cross, that you have assured the ultimate victory. And Lord, help us to look to you as, um, as the assurance that, we, that, the, that the wrath will not fall upon us. But the way of deliverance is sure because you are faithful. So help us in our, in, our, in our struggle to believe, to turn to you, to cry for help. Help us to repent of our cynicism and our doubt. But Lord, just comfort us that you will never leave us nor forsake us. Nothing can separate us from your love. Help us now to, to, for these truths to come home to us, to feel more real to us as we take of this your supper. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.